This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. That's better than your horoscope, whatever your horoscope said this morning. If you, if you happen to be given to that, it's much better to read a psalm than one of those demonically inspired dingbat things in the horoscope. <laughs> We're going to read from the 12th chapter, the Gospel of Matthew. I'll give you a moment to turn to it, or to pull it up on your phone. Matthew chapter 12, starting with, let's just start with, uh, verse 32. These are the words of Jesus. He's addressing, he's talking to church people. So, uh, sometimes when we know he's talking to scribes and Pharisees, we automatically disconnect and say, well, he's, that's them, that's not us. But people are historically amazingly alike. And uh, church people today can have some of the same problems that church people had 2,000 years ago. So hear the word of the Lord as it comes to us in Matthew chapter 12, starting with verse 32. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Either make the tree good, and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt, and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. And before anybody accidentally gets offended, I was in no way trying to liken you to a generation of vipers. Uh, uh, that, in fact, this, this lesson, this short substitute lesson for Ron today, is, it has nothing to do with the Apostles' Creed, but it has to do with uh, our words, words that we say, and very often words can be misunderstood. That's why I'm backpedaling and I'm just making sure that nobody's accidentally getting offended. So. Verse 35 again, a good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. The word of the Lord. Father, please open up our ears. Give us the supernatural ability, Lord, to have ears to hear. Give us eyes to see. Help us, Lord, to live totally aware of everything that's going on around us, but especially this morning, Lord, as we're examining the content of our heart and words that come forth out of that storehouse. I pray, Lord, that you'd give us ears to hear. Let us be your servants and continue to give you praise and glory in everything we do and say, and we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm filling in for Ron with his sore ribs. Uh, he told me not to do something on the uh, Apostles' Creed, and that's good because he, he's really prepared for that. He's been preparing for that, and if I would have stepped in, it would have really been uh, just not as good as what he's already working on. So I prayed. And I waited upon the Lord, and 
this context, the verses I just read, there's a couple of things in here I think that we'll find interesting. And it's always my goal to uh, give you something hopefully that will stick with you, something that you will remember. Remembering the word of the Lord is one of the most important things that we can have. It's, it's more important. I mean, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds forth out of the mouth of the Lord. So we need the word of God even more than your breakfast. If you had breakfast this morning, you need this more. We need this on a daily basis. God, give us a hunger for his word, even as we hunger for that breakfast taco or whatever your preference may be. Uh, we take words lightly. Uh, maybe not from others, but especially from our own self. It's so easy to say things, slips of the tongue, and we say, ah, they'll get over it. I didn't mean anything by that, off the cuff remarks. Ah, I was just kidding, I didn't mean to hurt anyone. You know, these are things that we've all said. If you hadn't said them, I've said them. So <laughs> I'm just giving you uh, words of uh, remorse of things that I was sorry that I said. Did you ever notice we're never sorry for the things we don't say or didn't say, even though you may say, I should have said this or I should have said that. But that may hurt a little bit, but it doesn't hurt as much as when you have to say, oh man, I can't believe I said that. And once it's out there, you're not going to get it back. So we should really be uh, careful with those occasional sharp, sometimes biting words. Sometimes they come out on purpose and uh, it's, it, it's just part of our depraved nature, and uh, we know how to hurt people. We've all heard that little thing about sticks and stones. Let me tell you something, sticks and stones can't hurt you nearly as much as words. You could get bruised by a stick or a stone, and you'll heal up from that bruise. There's people we know, uh, maybe you're one of them, that uh, something was said to you years ago, and it still hurts. So we should be mindful. Uh, sometimes people are just glad to be offensive. I, Saw a t-shirt one time said, I didn't mean to offend you. That was just a bonus. That's not something that you want to wear. At least I didn't want to wear it. Someone gave it to me. I didn't want to wear it. And maybe they thought it would fit. I didn't mean to offend you. That was just a bonus. Can you imagine that? Well, we read here in this group of verses, and I read out of the old King James because I was reading our new Pew Bible, the English Standard Version, and it's, it's very close. It says almost the same thing. Uh, the good person out of his good treasure, verse 35, uh, brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. But I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. That's the only difference between that and the King James. The old King James says every idle word. And that is, uh, it's not a title, it's an incomplete thought, every idle word, but that's really what this is going to be about. So, there it is. That's what I want you to remember. Every idle word. Uh, have you ever read the Bible and something that you read either in the epistles or the words of Jesus especially, that kind of got next to you. You know what that means when we say it got next to you? It kind of bothers you. It, maybe it's the tender conviction of the Holy Spirit. We, uh, it's good when that happens, by the way. It's a horrible feeling, but it's a good thing. It's a good thing, because it proves to us that the Lord is for us. He's on our side, 
And uh, that's why he makes you feel so bad, because he doesn't want some worse thing to happen to you. Uh, talk is cheap. I thought that'd be another good title for a lesson, but I didn't want to put that on the board. Talk is cheap. That's only partially right, because it, it, it doesn't cost anything to, tro to throw cheap words out there. But uh, once hurtful words are out there, it's amazing how they can increase in their negative value. And they hurt more and more. And once you say it, it's really nothing you can do about it. Cheap talk can be costly. This lesson is based on the words of Jesus when he is reminding us, and he's talking to church people, every idle word. Exactly how it says, every idle word. In the day of judgment, we will give account. That ought to help us control what we say. Uh, we don't always give a, a Sunday school class a title, but I did give this one a title, and it's a rhetorical question. Why is it so hard to keep our mouth shut? And it just is. Uh, it's, it's, words come out so fast and so thoughtlessly, and uh, we've all said something, and I don't know what you've said, but I'm preaching from a storehouse of experience of things that I've said and regretted, and I wish that I wouldn't have said them. You know, there's two kinds of offensive words. There's those that are innocent and accidental, and those that are kind of on purpose. I was thinking of a good illustration of something as innocent. Let me just give you a brief personal testimony. Shortly after I became a Christian, the, the church that I was a part of, this is the type of church that had a song service with a song leader. And uh, the pastor who didn't ask me just volunteered me to be the song leader. And I, I did not know how to do it. I, uh, I did not know what I was doing. Actually, I was thinking that'd be a good title for my autobiography. I did not know what I was doing. <laughs> Characterizes a lot of things. I just didn't know what I was doing. And, and this pastor thought it'd be a good idea. Let's put him up there. And, 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 and uh, you know, he, he heard I had a, a, a voice, a loud voice, but I had never led the singing before. So he put me up there, and, and, and I was able to do okay with the piano player. And, you know, a, a lot of songs I grew up with in church, you know, uh, Blessed Assurance, Great is Thy Faithfulness, you know, Onward Christian Soldiers, and, you know, some of them a little more snappy and peppy. And there was a deer older brother in, in that church at that time. In fact, he was there before I got there. And he had, I think, what it's called a tin ear. He, uh, he, he did not have a, uh, a sense of rhythm. And uh, nice guy. But uh, as I was up there, and, and, and this was a clapping church. I mean, this was the type of church, we'd get to singing and everybody's clapping. And it was, well, we just having a good old time. And uh, this guy, for some reason, had the amazing gift to clap at exactly the wrong time. And uh, I don't know how he did it. I mean, he was consistently wrong. He was just, I'm clapping, and, and, and it was just, it was kind of strange. So I'm still talking about a, an example of an innocent thing that you can accidentally offend people. And uh, this is one of those brother-sister churches. Uh, you know, as a young guy, he was older. I wouldn't go call him by his first name. We, we called him Brother. Brother McQuillan, I said, hey. I went up after the service, I said, I said, you weren't doing that just to throw me off, were you? <laughs> and uh, he controlled himself very well, but he did tell the pastor, he, uh, and I didn't mean it. It was just innocent. I, I, and, and, boy, there's a whole other story connected to that, but we had to, 
That's all for this illustration. I didn't mean to offend him. I didn't mean to say it. And then there's other times when we, when we do mean to say something that's offensive. And we can be uh, catty about it or snide or, uh, you know, we could just uh, fling them little fiery darts, uh, you know, across our shoulder, you know, with a coworker. I think those are most effective with married couples. I mean, nobody can hurt a wife like a husband, and no one can hurt a husband like a wife. You know, we, we know each other's weak parts, and we could just say that little walking out the door, just yay, and out you go. Ah! <laughs> you're not there for the agony and the groaning. You're walking out going, don't worry, yours is coming. <laughs> Those fiery darts have a way of coming back. So we've all heard we, we've either said it ourselves, or else we've heard someone else say something and they quickly tried to recover from it. You know, they'd say something and then they'd say, Pfft! I don't know where that came from. Yes, we do. We do know where it comes from. Jesus said it comes out of the abundance of the heart. And that's exactly where it comes from. So, uh, hey, maybe you could use that as a conversation starter sometimes. Someone will be in a social situation and someone will say something. Pfft! I don't know where that came from. Just say, yes, we do. We do know where it comes from. It comes from the abundance of the heart. And then, uh, well, that might be the end of that conversation because <laughs> people may not want to talk about that. Benjamin Franklin said uh, something interesting, among a lot of interesting things. He said, a slip of the foot one may soon recover, but a slip of the tongue one may never recover. Here's the lesson. We will give account for every idle word. And I'm just trying to make a big deal out of this because uh, I can't expect you to remember a lot of things, but if I could just get you to remember those three words of every idle word that comes out of our mouth, that will... And you know, we know when we're going to say something. I mean, unless there's some mental disconnection and you're not you know, there's a couple of wires disconnected or something's not right. You know when you're going to say something. I mean, we, we have this amazing ability to say, oh boy, this is really going to get him. And we just let it fly out there, but uh, we don't have to say that. There's this uh, innate carnal desire within us that sometimes we just want to, we want to hurt people's feelings. Uh, everybody knows what your Miranda rights are? Okay, I'm not asking if you've ever been arrested, but uh, you know what Miranda rights are. They, uh, they call it uh, uh, when you're being Mirandized. Is that right? Uh, when you're being Mirandized, and, and you've heard this. What they say is uh, you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you. I don't know why anybody says anything once they hear that. You were just told <laughs> anything you say can and will be used against you. How can we not shut up? And that's the, that, that's the title of this. Why is it so hard to keep our mouth shut? But even after people are Mirandized, they keep talking. I think actually that that line out of those Miranda rights, anything you say can and will be used against you, is a good rule of life. As it is with rights, it's a good rule for us to remain silent even though it's often ignored. But we just have to talk. It's just something that we do. We just love to, it's, it's so easy. You know what, people get together, we do just start throwing stuff out there and uh, sometimes we're not mindful as to how hurtful those things can be. Well, using that Miranda warning, let us hear the words of Jesus again. There it is. 
men shall give account in the judgment for every idle word. I don't know about the idle words that you've said. I know about some that I've said and I regret and I, I'm not saying I'm worried about the judgment, but I do have some concerns because there's been things that have been said heartlessly, callously, and even some just out of plain old meanness. And uh, I've prayed, I've repented, Lord help me not to say it again. So uh, can I ask you something? Does that make anybody nervous? I mean, you, when you read this and you think about the coming judgment, does it ever make you a little nervous that the Lord is going to hold us accountable for every idle word? Or here, as our new translation says, every careless word? It, it ought to. And if it does anything, it should help us to not say so much or be more mindful about the things that we say because we know how fast they can come out and be hurtful and harmful and once it's out there well you know how it is it's out there and you're not going to get it back ought to make us thoughtful as to what's coming after we speak those words because it does hurt i mean we you know unless you're like that heartless person who wore that t-shirt. I didn't mean to offend you, but <laughs> that's just a bonus. <laughs> you know, some people actually like that. <laughs> They're glad when they offend you, but uh, most of us are not. We, we don't want to uh, offend people uh, even accidentally. But when it does happen, we humble ourselves. We ask people to forgive us. And if they're Christian people, they'll say, ah, you know, I'm, I'm just gonna let it slide. But you know there are people that uh, they're gonna hang on to it. They're going to just let it get next to them, and they're going to let it get in their craw, and they're just, they'll tell others, you wouldn't believe what that idiot said, and there you go, more idle words, people just throwing things around. You know, we, we shouldn't be calling one another idiots, fools, but uh, I confess, I have this problem, uh, especially when I'm watching the news. <sighs> I, you too, <laughs> it's, it's uh, Sometimes I'm yelling at the TV. You, I've said bad words. I'm, 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 I'm confessing. I just, that's, that, that's why I'm teaching this today. I need to hear this. <laughs> because I, need, I need to rein some of these words in. Listen to verse 35 again. This is a, a, a fit warning. Uh, the good person out of his good treasure bringeth forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure bringeth forth evil. Now there's a lot of uh, this dichotomizing that goes on throughout the Bible where uh, people are identified. Good trees, bad trees, good people, bad people, fools, wise, and uh, we don't ever want to be lumped with the wrong group. We, not even accidentally, we don't, people, uh, we, we don't want people to make an incorrect inference. That must be a bad tree. And, and really, all of us can say something that we regret once in a while. The thing here is, is it consistent? Do people consistently say harsh, hurtful things that identify them, uh, uh, identify them clearly because of their regular speech and the idle words that just come out all, all of the time? Uh, by our words, we will be justified. By our words, we will be condemned. Why people throw senseless things out there? I, I don't understand about some modern vernacular figures of speech. You know, we've all heard, at least I've heard in my short lifetime, people would say, well, I'll be damned. Oh, you don't ever want to say that. I, 
I was talking to a furniture salesman kid one time, just talking about a recliner, and just senselessly, he'd just come up and said, well, I'll be damned. I said, you don't want to say that. You know what he told me? He said, you know, you're the second person that's told me that in the last six months. I said, good for you. You don't want to say that. What's wrong with you? Do you realize what you're saying? To be damned? Woo. People just don't know what they're saying. They just throw stuff out there. Another thing I really don't understand, and this had to have originate in the pits of hell, we hear people saying now, and I hear it so often it's disturbing, people will hear a joke or something funny and they'll say, that's as funny as hell. Where did that come from? Funny as hell? Does that make any sense at all? I say that has to have a demonic origin. The devil whispered in someone's ear and said, say this. And then stupid people just heartlessly throw, and those are idle words. It's funny as hell. You hear it all the time. It doesn't make sense. Is there anything funny about hell? <laughs> Obviously, these people have never given any serious thought, nor has the Lord revealed to them the horror. Oh, it's the worst possible thing. It'll uh, shake you up if you think about it. And yet people say, funny as hell. I, it, 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 it's just one of those things. It's some of those idle words. Uh, as we hear this verse where Jesus warns that every idle word we will give account, how can a Christian take this lightly? You know, we're supposed to be examples of salt and light. Our words are supposed to be redemptive. Salt is a preservative, and we're living in a decaying society. Our words should have a preventive, uh, sweet savoring. In fact, I, I had uh, the verse, Colossians chapter 4, verse 6, that says, Let our words be with grace, seasoned with salt. And salt is that which prevents corruption. We, we not only use it to bless others, but we are a purifying influence in a decaying, rotting society. Our culture is rotten. The words of people are rotten. The thoughts and the intents of our hearts are rotten. You say, how do I, how do I get above this? Well, I would suggest Psalms 19, verse 14. At the end of that great psalm, David prays, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. My Lord, my Redeemer. That's a, that has sanctifying effect right there. You say that, you pray that in, it's going to control the words that fly out of your mouth. For a little while. <laughs> You'll need to pray it again. <laughs> Why? Well, because we forget. You know, people can come and have a great church service and just leave feeling so full of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's like a leaky tire by the time you walk to your car. <laughs> You've gone flat, you leak, <laughs> you need more. You know, when I leave service, I, uh, usually around the time we're leaving at 12.20, Vernon McGee's coming on with his Sunday sermon. I put on, I listen to another sermon. I need more. We all need more. Don't we? This is a good time to say, indeed. Or if you're given. Yes, well, let's not get too carried away now. <laughs> You know, that's one of those words that I don't think the Lord would call idle. When we say amen to something, you know, it truly, 
Amen. We're, 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 we're saying, yes, Lord, this is, this is what it's all about. Yes, it most certainly is. Well, we can't leave a brief study like this without uh, at least mentioning, uh, well, I already mentioned our, our mental state. We know if we're going to say something wrong. Uh, in the book of James, if you would uh, turn over or scroll over in your phone, however you'd like to get there, the book of James is an amazing, uh, great little epistle, which has a unique correlation to the book of Proverbs. It's like the uh, Proverbs of the New Testament. James has some interesting descriptions. Uh, first, there's a warning. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at verse 1 in chapter 3. There's, there's a warning about not becoming teachers. Uh, because, you know, those of us who teach will be judged with greater strictness. How do you think that makes us feel before we get up here and start shooting from the hip? Yeah, I got just throw stuff at you. No, I'm, I'm prayerfully mindful of everything I say because I know not only will I give account for this, but those every idle words that fly out in between. James says we all stumble in many ways. This is verse 2 of chapter 3. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Isn't that amazing? The ability to shut up means we have total self-control. I know people don't like to hear uh, shut up. Maybe keep quiet sounds more dignified, but shut up sure gets it done. We, we just seem to understand it uh, better. You know, I was going to mention we don't always mention secular music, but <laughs> I couldn't help as I was putting this together. There was a, a song by a, a rock and roll artist, guy who's been around a long time. Uh, he's been with the Eagles for a long time. Very talented guitar player, but he has his own independent. The guy's name is Joe Walsh, if you've ever heard of him. And uh, <laughs> one of his songs on one of his albums is Can't Shut Up. <laughs> it's this great little tune about how he's, people always calling him up and talking to him. And he's like, they can't shut up. They just could not shut up. And <laughs> Sometimes, uh, of course, you and I would never say that, but that's what, that's what Joe Walsh wrote a whole song about. James says we can control our whole body if we could just keep our mouths shut. If we put bits into the mouths of horses, this is James 3, verse 3, so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large, driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts great things. Listen to this second part of verse 5. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. A world of unrighteousness, the tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. What do you think about that? God help us with every idle word. How are we doing so far? We have a little bit more time. No uh, feedback? No response? Anybody want to throw something out there? Got an idle word? <laughs> Not now! <laughs> you know, if we could live with that fear of always being afraid to say, could you imagine how much less trouble we would have? 
A lot of times before I say something, I'll, I'll ask my wife. <laughs> it's good to have an extra brain and an extra, especially a female sensitivity, because men are dumb, all right? Men, men are dense. Men miss things. We should depend on our wives. If you're thinking about telling somebody something, run it by your wife first. If she says, no, honey, don't say that, just let it go. Otherwise, you might be building up the bank of idle words, and you know it's coming. So, you know, there are warnings, a lot of warnings in Scripture about negative words, but there are those rare positive words. In Proverbs chapter 25, verse 11, listen to this. What a, what a beautiful verse of, of uh, a beautiful verse, period, but a, what, a, what a beautiful stringing together of words where it says, Proverbs 25, 11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. Man, that sounds good. I don't even know what that is, but that's how I want to talk. That's what I want to say. <laughs> Boy, wouldn't it be great if I got finished here and you're walking down the hallway and say, man, I'm telling you, that's like apples of gold and pictures of silver. <laughs> wouldn't that be nice? I don't think anyone's ever said that about a sermon or a Sunday school class, but I'm just trying to get something started here. <laughs> apples of gold and pictures of silver. Oh, Lord, let me talk like that. A word fitly spoken. And we know sometimes a word fitly spoken is unspoken. I can tell you from years of ministerial experience, especially with grieving families, sometimes the best thing for you to say is absolutely nothing. You just being there. And, and, and we always think we have to say something. Remember Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration? The Bible says, Peter, not knowing what to say, said, let's build three tabernacles. Let's go into a building program. Lord, one for Jesus, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Not knowing what to say. Didn't stop them. We do the same thing. We don't know what to say. And uh, especially in times of extreme grief, the death of a loved one, and, and we feel like we have to say something. You know, this may be the most valuable advice in this whole Sunday school lesson. You don't have to say anything. If you're just there, your silence and your presence means more and can be more comforting. Just the fact that you showed up in that messy emotional situation that most people don't want to get anywhere near, yet you love that person enough just to show up and be there, you don't have to say anything. And you may be surprised later that that person or people or the whole family will come up and say, you know, you have no idea how much your presence meant. And you may be saying, I didn't even say anything. Bingo. You didn't have any idle words. And, and oh, it's so easy to say the wrong thing around uh, the death of a loved one. And, and folks, we don't know what to say. I should warn you, don't ever say, I know just how you feel. Because we don't. We want to be empathetic, we want to know people, we want to let people know, hey, I'm on the same page, but we really don't know exactly how they feel because we're not them and they're not us. What do you got, Tom? Um, most of you don't know this, but I've been calling on schools for 45 years, and one of my schools that I have worked with is Robb Elementary in Uvalde, Texas. Uh -huh. You know that I'm a blabbermouth, and you know that I'm never 
I did not know that, but thank you for sharing. And, uh, but I was totally muddled by the whole situation that had descended on this community mm -hmm. that I had worked in for over 20 years. Uh, the little, some of the little children who were killed had been in an assembly with me or my partner the previous year. I knew one of the teachers. Uh, as I thought back through my 20 years there, I thought that somewhere along the line, several times, I had even met the shooter and what he had become. And I couldn't say anything. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't pick up the phone. I couldn't write a card. I was stuck. And I had no idea what to do. And I was going through deacon training. And a month later, after the event, Scott said something that had nothing to do with me personally, but had everything to do with me personally when he said, do not feel the need to solve the problem. Do not feel the need to make things right. There are some things in life that you cannot make right. And then it goes back to the presence. Be there, tell them you're thinking of them, pray like crazy, and let that be enough. Because, uh, once I was able to start writing cards to principals, the principal of the school, mm -hmm. um, people on other campuses, and just tell them that I was thinking of them, that I was praying for them, and that the storm would pass, mm -hmm. and the waves would go down, and we could still remember the beauty of those people that we lost. And that's when I finally crawled out of the hole that I was in. Mm -hmm. But it was all about me trying to fix something that I couldn't fix. And you just meant well. Oh yeah, I said, what can I do? Well, you can't do anything. Nope. You, you, you can't, you really can't. It's beyond your comprehension and your control and um, it, it's, it's beyond anyone's comprehension or control. Yes, it is. Well, that's an example of, a, of, an, of an attempt to say something good. This lesson is really more of a warning of what not to say and when not to say it because it comes out so quick and so thoughtlessly and before you know it, the damage is done and the hurt is there and it's very, very hard to uh, recover from. And we don't want to be known as, as uh, people with poison in our mouth. That's it. When you read further down here in this third chapter of James, he says the mouth is full of deadly poison. So our mouth is full of fire and poison. Can I go back to the title of this, as, however lame it might be? Why is it so hard for us to keep our mouth shut? It's just part of our makeup and our being and the, uh, the, the inner sense that we always have to say something and uh, the fact is we do not. So these uh, words fitly spoken 
like apples of gold and pictures of silver. This, this is what we strive for, the good treasure that comes forth out of a good person, which is what we're endeavoring to be, encouraging, uplifting, edifying words. They're rare, but if possible, and that's our intent, we can work on those redemptive words because the bad ones just fly out so easy. I mean, you don't even have to think about it. It's as if we're locked and loaded and some snide, cocky remark. <laughs> Again, I know this about no one here. I'm speaking from my own personal experience. And it's so easy to say something uh, stupid and offensive without even thinking about it. And I needed to hear this. I need to hear a warning. I need to be reminded often that we will give account for every idle word. So more often than not, it's not uh, words that are inflammatory and damaging. Those are the easy, easy ones, uh, even when you're not trying. But we will give account. And I, 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 I meant to repeat that three-word phrase as many times as I could, because that's what I want you to remember. If you will just have that burned into your mind, into the forefront of your thinking. Let that be the filter of whatever you're going to say. Every idle word. Judy? The Lord knows what you're thinking. Yes, there is. And that's why I quoted the 19th Psalm, verse 14, where David says, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength, my redeemer. You know, if you start off before you, uh, you know, maybe you're going to have a conflict on the job and the family. Could you imagine the sanctifying effect of that one verse? Psalms 19, it's the last verse in that 19th Psalm. Look it up. Pray it in. Lord, let this be me. Lord, I'm praying. I want the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart to be acceptable in your sight. What more valuable endeavor do we have than to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord? Really, what else matters? Yes, sister. Yes. Yes. And even more so, anything you say that can and will, take out a paper trail or an e-trail. That is, unless someone smashes it with a hammer. I don't know that that ever happens, but uh, if anyone ever does smash their email storage with hammers, and if that happens, well then, well then I guess it's just forgot about and people won't have to give account for it. No, not until Judgment Day when we stand before the Lord. Do we have any uh, questions before we wrap up? I'll, I'll, I'll try to repeat your question or your comment so we get it on the, on the thing. Yes? Just one thought. Uh, when we really get upset with someone, which we do often now with friends and family over politics or what's happening. Yes. Um, a lesson from Abraham Lincoln. He used to get really, if he would get upset with a commander or general uh -huh. of his people, he would sit down and write him a letter. Uh -huh. But then he wouldn't mail it. Uh-huh. He just got it all out, you know. 
but he never said it to them. Wow, that's a smart guy. Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln really was a unique time. You know, it reminds me, one time he was running against someone. It's ironic. Nobody knows who this was. Everybody knows who Abraham Lincoln is. But this one guy he was running against for the Senate or something before he was a president and world famous, this guy was just talking. He said, Abraham Lincoln's an idiot. He's, he's a fool. He's a, a podunk, just a, a hillbilly. And uh, how Abraham Lincoln responded to those harsh words he said, you know, my opponent, uh, Cartwright, or whatever his name was, he said, uh, is a very intelligent man. He said, for this man to make these castigating statements about me, I think I need to take stock and find out just exactly what I'm made of. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Nobody knows who this other guy was, but everybody knows who Abraham Lincoln was. And, and, and of course, that diffuses. I mean, what are you going to say? Could you imagine a politician saying something like that now? Well, my opponent says that I'm an idiot. You know, you might have something. Let me, let me think about that. <laughs> no, I, I don't think people are going to, you know, be, be, we want to fight. We're contentious. Yeah, Chuck. Yes, 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 and we say, where did that come from? Yes, we know. You remember the old commercial for the Prego tomato sauce? It's in there, it's in there, it's, it's in here. God help us. Yes, sir, we're finished, I think. Yes, it does. Yes, that's where the abundance of our heart is. Well, let us close with a word of prayer. I hope this will be a sanctifying prayer. What, was there something else? Am I forgetting something? Okay. Are you sure there's not something I should add? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's probably some idle words that don't need to be in here now. That's just... <laughs> Heavenly Father, Lord, for all of our faults and foibles and mistakes that we make. Lord, I pray that you would help us to guard our hearts, for out of it we know come all of the issues of life. And I pray, Father, that our, our hearts would be open before you, as they already are, but Lord, let us be aware of our openness before you, Lord, and your holy presence, that before we pop off and say something that we will regret, O oh Lord, you will help sanctify the contents of our heart that our words will be pleasing in your sight, Lord, and we will lessen the charges as we will surely stand before you one day and give account for every idle word. We want to give you praise. We want to glorify you, Lord. We want the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart to be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord, our strength, our Redeemer. And it's in Jesus' name that we agree together. Amen. And amen. Well, enjoy your church service after your cookies, which you're probably going to have right now. We look forward to cookies. And uh, I have a, a real feeling, a real sense that Ron will be back here next week. I, I, I don't think that he's gonna uh, be down that long. I think he's, I'm pretty sure he'll be back. And, and if he can't be, well then I may have to Yes. <laughs>
dive into the what? Yes, yes, well, Ron will do that. He, he, he specifically told me, don't do anything about the Apostles' Creed, and he, he's ready. He's been studying for that for a while. So, uh, may the Lord bless thee and keep thee and make his face to shine upon thee. Amen.